Hey, before the show, we just wanted to thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear, check out more content at mamaronicpublicradio.com. Thanks so much. What's good? Okay, no thank you. Why, hello there. Okay. I hate that. (laughs) (laughs) Greetings, everyone. What's up, Mamarinac? Howdy, folks. Who wrote this stuff? Are you serious? Why, hello there. That's your only line! What do you mean? That's your only line! Try a different language! Hello, this is Bora. Yag's a mess. It's so easy, why don't you guys try? Good morning, and welcome to NPR's Before the Bell. I'm Anna Robarts. In this season, we're bringing you news and updates on all things the war in Ukraine. Check out our previous episodes to better understand the roots of Russia-Ukraine hostilities and the impact of the war on both Russian and Ukrainian people. Throughout the entirety of the Russia-Ukraine war, most countries around the world have declared their support for Ukraine. But Russia has threatened severe consequences to anyone who joins the military opposition. So far, this threat has prevented anyone from sending troops to directly aid Ukraine on the ground. Instead, many countries have supported Ukraine with non-combative actions. In most cases, that means turning to sanctions, economic penalties aimed at weakening the Russian economy enough to force them out of the war. Today, with my fellow student producer, Jay McNally, we're going over the sanctions currently imposed on Russia, who's imposing them, and their potential impact. So Jane, I guess the best place to start is defining what sanctions are in the context of the Russia-Ukraine war. The real definition of a sanction is a penalty. But in a political context, sanctions are a tool of diplomatic policy used to influence another country into behaving a certain way. For specific sanctions against Russia, that means forcing Russia to surrender to Ukraine. Right. So the sanctions that are being put on Russia are mainly economic penalties, which are intended to back the Kremlin into a corner and, ideally, force them to halt their invasion into Ukraine. Exactly. And what are the specific sanctions that are targeting the Russian economy? Well, right now, the range of these imposed sanctions is tremendous. The best place to start is with the Russian oil bans, since oil is extremely important to the Russian economy and the countries who buy Russian oil. According to the International Energy Agency, Russia is the world's largest exporter for all oil products. They also reported in 2021 that oil made up 45% of Russia's federal budget. And how is the Russian oil industry being hit? Out of all of the sanctions currently being placed on Russia, the oil sanctions are the most straightforward. Many countries have simply banned the import of Russian oil. This means that Russia will be forced to find new markets for their oil or risk losing a large chunk of their economy and federal budget. One important thing to remember is that sanctions impact both the country imposing the sanction and the country being sanctioned. The countries that are banning Russian oil need to find other sources of energy. 
Russia has also begun to slow their oil production, which is driving up the price on the market. This is partly the reason that gas prices in the U.S. are currently at an all-time high. Hmm, so outside of oil bans, how else is the Russian economy being hit? Another significant ban is the removal of several Russian banks from the Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunications, or SWIFT. SWIFT is a global financial system that streamlines the transfer of money across borders and currencies. Russian banks being removed from SWIFT limits their ability to interact with international markets. This has further decreased Russia's exports and also caused a period of hyperinflation of the Russian currency, the ruble. Banks across the globe have also hurt the Russian economy by freezing Russian assets, meaning that Russia can't access cash, derivatives, and real estate, among other resources, from foreign banks and companies. One of the most well-known examples of this specific type of sanction is the UK government freezing the assets of seven Russian oligarchs back in March, including Roman Abramovich, the owner of Chelsea Football Club at the time. This sanction forced the English Premier League to disqualify Abramovich as the director and owner of the team, one of the world's most valuable sports franchises, in order to avoid the club being frozen and its operations being suspended. We know that these sanctions severely impact and debilitate the Russian economy in some cases. So who exactly has been imposing these sanctions? Well, most importantly, the United States, Canada, the European Union, which includes a total of 27 European countries, as well as the UK, have all imposed economic sanctions on Russia. The sanctions we talked about earlier have come from these countries. But these global powers aren't the only ones taking a stand against Russia. Privately owned companies like McDonald's have cut ties with Russia and are no longer doing business with them. After 30 years, McDonald's is set to leave Russia along with their 850 restaurants. Other companies such as Coca-Cola and Starbucks have also withdrawn their services. In addition to this, all flights originating in Russia have been banned from entering US, UK, EU, and Canadian airspace. And are American-owned companies the only ones imposing sanctions? Not necessarily. The UK has banned private jets reserved by Russian people. Worldwide companies such as L'Oreal and Estee Lauder have also pulled out from Russia. The EU and UK have banned the exportation of luxury goods to Russia, and that includes vehicles, high-end fashion, and art. To wrap up this episode, could you go over how the sanctions and bans we talked about will impact Russia going to the future? And is there a realistic possibility in which these sanctions could actually force Russia to surrender? Well, what we can say for sure is that Russian oil production has slowed down. Russian citizens have already been affected by instances of hyperinflation, as well as a general increase in price of consumer goods. Moving into the future, the expectation is that these sanctions will cripple the Russian economy and force Russia to the negotiation table with absolutely zero leverage but it's impossible to say whether this will actually force Russia to completely pull out of Ukraine. To 
taking into account how quickly things have been developing, it's important to stay up to date with what's going on and how things are changing. That's what we're here for. Telling the stories of the war and showing that we're all informed enough to have constructive conversations about the conflict. If you're interested in supporting those affected by the violence in Ukraine, check out the Ukraine Crisis Fund at my.care.org and consider making a donation. Unfortunately, with the school year coming to an end, this will be the final episode of season one of Before the Bell. This will also be the final episode our senior producers, Anna Robarts, Jay McNally, Sam Rabohagen, and Kevin Broderick will produce. But this will not be the last episode of Before the Bell. There will be a season two with a new group of student producers, so stay tuned. Again, I'm Anna Robarts. I'm Jane McNally. I'm Sam Rabohagen. And I'm Kevin Broderick. And And you've you've been been listening listening to NPR's Before the Bell. Bell.